talk with the six men. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday I gotta be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday We gotta be better, do better, that's every minute, every second Drop a juice, hope you collecting them. The voice of the people, we all gon' get heard. This real feel never clear what I say. Always tuned in, never tuned out. Gotta stay walking, be a sleepwalker. Gotta stand up, got too many stand out. Stay ready, like the six man of the year. We up now. We, we, we up now. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday. No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk with the Six Man. And um, as I've gotten older, I've reached a point that I honestly believe that things don't just happen by chance. They definitely happen for a reason. Sometimes the reason things happen, we may not know why they're happening. We we just we just kind of like at the time don't know why things happen. Like sometimes you know things happen and we just say, "What the? What was that? Like why why did that happen?" But then if we stop to kind of think about what happened, and then we kind of look at the surroundings of it, we kind of piece it together. And then eventually we find out that there's a particular reason why this certain thing happened. And sometimes we don't act on it. I mean, sometimes we may act on it and sometimes we we may act on it negatively. And then sometimes we may act on it and it may be a positive thing. And, you know, I'm not going to ever try to discredit one or the other because we're 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 human beings and we're not perfect. And so a few weeks ago, um, I got a friend request on Facebook. And when I got the friend request, I didn't really necessarily like take time to look at the friend request like I normally do. So I think it took like a day for me to kind of look at it and try to figure out who who this individual was who was sending me um a friend request on Facebook. And so I went to the individual's page. I kind of saw her face and was like, oh, she looked kind of familiar. So I, I did my due diligence like, like I always do. And I went to her profile and looked at her friends. And um, out of 24 or so of friends that we had mutually on Facebook, I remember six or seven of them were close to me. And when I say close, I mean people that I've known for a long time, people that I respect people that I trust and I know a lot of times when we have you know friends on Facebook some some would say oh you know a lot of these people are not friends they are associates and for me a lot of the people that are on my Facebook page I will consider my friend and don't get me wrong there are some associates that I have on a friend list that's on Facebook, but they don't have an option for you to put associate. So it's just friend. And so this young lady sent me a friend request. I accepted it based off the people that I saw who sh- who we knew mutually. And um, I got an inbox from her. And I remember the inbox 
was stating that she wanted me to take a look at some information that she was going to send me. And after I took a look at it, she wanted me to share it on my Facebook page. And she sent it to me hoping that I would share the information, right? And so that's why I say things definitely happen for a reason. And so I try to communicate back with her. Um, I responded to her to her um, her inbox and I basically told her that I was at work and that I would try to when I had time after work I would read a lot of the information um, and get back with her and so I did that I went about my day at work and I came home um, I had an opportunity to wind down and so I took a look at the information and so the first article that she sent me the first link was an article, and it was about a young man who, who had got shot by the police. And it was a it was a very it wasn't a good story. It wasn't a good um it wasn't a good read. And when I say it wasn't a good read, I mean that it wasn't a good read in regards to the situation. Um, second link was a video of the young lady who sent me the information. And it was a video of her talking about all of the information that was in the first link. And then there was a last link, which was a link to a live Facebook feed last year. And this Facebook feed live feed was not it was not in the beginning familiar to me but as I kind of start watching it and I think it was maybe like I want to say maybe two two and a half three minutes in it started getting really 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 familiar and it was getting so familiar where it was like deja vu for me all over again because I remember watching this live feed last year. And so this live feed was very emotional. It was very raw. And it, it just happened. And so as I'm watching this live feed, now I'm putting everything together in my head. And this young lady was the mother of this young man who got shot by the police. And in this live feed, there was a lady. She was very respectful. She was trying to keep everybody calm. And I mean, it's hard to do that when people, you know, show their raw emotions. And I mean, you know, when it's a situation where a young black man has been shot by the police, it, it, it never really turns out good. And so the community was showing their displeasure for what happened. Um, they were definitely showing a certain amount of disrespect towards the police in regards to what happened. And this, and this woman was trying to keep everybody calm. She wanted to talk to certain officials. Um, she was a little upset about two of the police officers who was who were who were keeping everybody back like their whole demeanor they were kind of like laughing and joking and she didn't like it and so i remember um i remember supervisors came on scene and she knew particular supervisors by name and wanted to talk to them and i remember she gave the camera to somebody and, and told them to keep 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 video on this keep video on this and she stepped off and went to go talk to uh, a police officer in a white shirt. And so she came back and she kept videoing and she was like, somebody called Trayon, somebody called such and such. And it was just a lot going on. And I did my due diligence and found out that this lady's name was Regina Pixley. She is an ANC commissioner 
and I'm not sure of the exact ward, but I know she is an ANC commissioner. And after piecing this stuff together, it it was like, wow. This young lady reached out to me and wants me to share this information. And so I did. I did that. I shared I I I, I went on my 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 Facebook page, Real Talk with the Six Man, and I posted everything that she sent me. I copied and pasted what she wanted me to share so people would know it wasn't just me that was sharing it for no particular reason. I shared all the links that she sent me. And so I think the next day I called her, kind of told her who I was and not necessarily thanking her for sending sending me the information, but I kind of acknowledged the fact that I was um, I was thankful that she sent me the information. And so I began to tell her um, about me having a podcast, about me um, feeling like I feel in regards to being someone who grew up in Ward 8 and someone who feels very passionate about police brutality and young black men being killed by police. And so I also started to remind her that um, I didn't understand what she was going through. And that I've had family members that that were killed and they weren't necessarily killed by the police, but I had family members and friends who were killed in this nature by gunfire. And so I told her that I had remember seeing this live feed on Facebook and she just kind of started crying. She was like, really? I was like, yeah. So I was a little taken back and I was a little emotional because I was like, I remember seeing this. I remember watching this and, and not really knowing what happened. And here it is, it's a year later and she's reaching out to me on Facebook with all of this information and now I'm just putting all of the pieces together. And so here it is, this mother is reaching out to me as she has been reaching out to Maria Bowser. She's been reaching out to the Metropolitan Police Department, Chief Newsham, and, you know, Attorney General's office. I mean, she's been reaching out to everybody on Facebook because, like I said, again, Facebook is a powerful tool. It's one of the most powerful tools in society today to receive and get information. And she's been, since we've been connected on Facebook, she's been sending out this information like nonstop. And so we talked for a minute, for a good minute, um, and she got emotional because, you know, this is hard for her. I mean, she's a mother. This is her son. Um, he wasn't killed, you know, due to street violence. Um, he was killed by the hands of the Metropolitan Police Department. And so she kind of started explaining to me what was going on and, you know, how body cam footage have not been released and um, she hasn't been getting any help from the mayor's office or the chief of police. And I felt bad for her. And so... I told her that I wanted to help her. I told her that I wanted to use my platform and be somewhat of a sounding board for people to know what was going on with her. I mean, she really started crying. She really got emotional. And I told her that I wanted to do it because it touched me, because I saw this live feed. And now here it is, I'm watching it again. And I'm just like, wow, I remember seeing this. And so we kept talking. She thanked me. Um, she reminded me about a um, event that she had coming up. And I told her I was there. I didn't even hesitate. I told her I was there. I said, and 
to make it even better, I'm going to call a guy that I know. He's a videographer. I'm going to have him come out. We're going to do some video. We're going to take some shots. I want to help you get this information out there. And not through Channel 9, not through none of these networks, because I watched the Channel 9 interview, and it was edited, it was chopped up, and I didn't like it. I did not like it, personally. And so, on June 12th, 2018, Marquise Austin was shot 15 times by the Metropolitan Police Department. And the Austin family has been going through turmoil in regards to this situation. Hasn't been able to get any factual information, don't know the truth of what's going on, and and has not been able to see the full length of the body camera footage of this incident. Now, 12 months went by. An entire year went by. And this family was able to see five minutes of a body cam video. And I'm just going to say of a body cam video that seemed in this family's mind altered because it to them, it just did not seem right. And the footage was five minutes long. And again, I'm just going to say to this family, it just did not seem right, did not feel right, just seemed altered. And so I told this mother, I said, listen, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. And I'm not even sure how impactful this is going to be. But it's something in my heart that's telling me I want to help you. And I remember telling somebody a while back that I was going through a lot in my own personal life. Um, and I read this book. One of my I'm going to just say a church member that I'm really cool with was like, man, I want you to read this book. And so I did. It's called Knowing Your God-Given Talents. And as I'm reading this book, it's teaching me about everything that I've had issues with in my life and trying to understand why. Um, Some of it was personal. Um, some Some of it was dealing with people in relationships and some of it was dealing with people at work but one of the roots was just trying to get an understanding of what I do and what I get the most joy out of and so in reading this book one of my God given talents is servitude meaning that I enjoy serving others and so when I told her that she got emotional again. And so I began to tell her, you know, I got my own podcast. I've been doing it for about a year now. I told her why I started it um, and kind of where I'm headed with it now. And I told her I wanted to help her with this. I wanted to help her get her story out. And I wanted her to do it I wanted her to be able to do it and do it in a comfortable way. Meaning I didn't want it to feel scripted. I didn't want it to feel like she couldn't be emotional. I wanted her to be able to do it and feel free doing it. And so again, they recently had a memorial for her son, Marquise. He had a birthday. Um, Marquise would have been 24 years old on his birthday. And like I said, me and my cameraman, we went, we took video, um, we took some steel shots, we interviewed um, one of her attorneys on her legal team, we interviewed um, a black a Black Lives Matter um, representative, um, and we also just kind of just got shots and video footage of the day and so I told her that after that I wanted to sit down with her and just 
let her share her story of what's been going on with her in this case. And so that's kind of what this is tonight. This is me sitting down with the Austin family and trying to piece together what really happened and trying to get an understanding of of what's really going on and why the mayor's office and the MPD aren't showing this body camera footage to the public. And so this is a candid interview that I did in her home. And I mean, I respect her because initially we were going to set this up in a public place. Um, and after just kind of talking with her, texting with her, um, just sharing with her some of my ideas. And I think she may have, you know, saw a couple of my live feeds or may have went to my podcast. She called me and was like, I've changed my mind. I want you guys to come to my house. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And so when we got there, she even told us, she was like, you guys came out Sunday to my son's event. And I felt good about it. So I wanted to invite you all here. This is where I'm most comfortable. And so she was there. Um, Marquise's um, dad was there. And we had a conversation. We talked. And we did get it on video. And that is still in production. Um, We still are doing edits and putting all that together. But this was a conversation that I wanted to do for her to get out. And I wanted to share with you all because I think that along with, you know, other families who have endured this, um, I just feel like, you know, as the as the public, I feel like we need to hold, you know, people in power um, responsible. I mean, their families like Daquan Young and Jeffrey Price, who also were shot and killed by the police. And there's no body camera footage that's being released to these families. And I'm confused on why the mayor spent so much money on this program if it's just going to be regulated by the police department and nobody else. And so with this information, it's like they kind of control the narrative of what they what they do with the this body camera footage. And so I don't think that that's right. And I also don't think it's fair to these families not to really know what happened to their loved ones. So I wanted to give the Austin family an opportunity to be heard. And I wanted to share with you all. This is a candid conversation with the Austin family. And we definitely want to see justice for Marquise. Give me an idea of who Marquise was. What was his personality? How was he growing up? So Marquise um, was very inquisitive. He was very intellectual. He was very caring. Um, He always made sure that he checked on me whenever he felt like I was at distress, um, whether it was when I came home from work, whether it was him helping out with the household chores. Um, He was always very helpful. Um, He was always very insightful in school. The school teachers always had to make some extra work for Marquise because he would he would finish his work beforehand and then he would need some additional work or he would help out with the classroom setting. Marquis is also a critical thinker. He always had a plan, a strategy about anything that he worked on. Okay. He was um, he was very had a lot of charisma as far as the people he come in contact with. Everyone was attracted to him. So, so one of the things that I listened to when we came um, out um, Sunday night for the uh, memorial 
one of the things that I heard was how passionate he was about his daughter. I want to know how do you think that would affect you all now that he's not going to be able to be there for her and how much of that will you take pride in of you know, raising her? We just had to pick up where he left off. He was very in tune with his daughter. He was getting discipline out of her. Um, quite sure he was having conversations with her. Letting, him, letting her know how much he loved her. And I, I have a picture of Marquise um, praying with, with Lyric. And I cherish that picture a lot. And he would have conversations through text message with me to say, Ma Lyric's not feeling well today. I'm not going to take her to the daycare. Or Ma, I'm going to actually take Marquise with me to, I mean, take Lyric with me today to um, to fill out job applications. I even had to share with Marquise and say, I think it's best that you not take Lyric with you to fill out job applications. Um, but he thought that that was imperative that he took her with him. So. And and the, the support that you've been getting, because when we came out again, you know, for the uh, memorial, your, other, your oldest son, um, Anthony, he spoke and he kind of talked about the relationship between him and his brother. Um, and I felt it because I have an older brother, so I, I kind of get that bond. But he kind of talked about the togetherness that they had, you know, how much they kind of talked to each other. And even when, you know, he took his mandatory vacation, they still kind of had that bond. So let's talk about, the, you know, that bond with the family and how that support has been helping you all thus far. So growing up, Marquise and Anthony, um, Anthony started working, I think, around 13. And so Marquise, they're four years apart. And so Marquise always looked up to his brother. And so he would do things like wear his clothes and would act as though he did not wear them and put them back in the closet. Um, he, did that a, he did that a lot. Um, and, of course, he would always boast to the teachers that he had an older brother to help him out with the homework. Um, his older brother worked. And so he cherished and valued that relationship with um Anthony and also whenever Anthony went to hang out with his friends of course Marquise wanted to follow could never understand why he had to stay home with me and dad um, but those were some of the um, personality traits that Marquise showed with his brother and growing up so so dad let's talk about Marquise as an adult as a father how did that look as a father he was very responsible always Wherever, wherever you saw him, his daughter was there. He wanted to make sure he was a great example for her. Um, teaching her right. Um, independent. Um, getting her discipline. Asking you. Asking me. How, how, was, how was he when he was a kid? So he can um, see that in his daughter. Most of the time we see that. I know when my daughter's kind of like that, all my family members say, that's you. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> that's you. Yeah. So, um, just just want to be a little bit more insightful, Mom. Um, how, 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 how did you see him as, as a father to his daughter? Um, I saw him very responsible, accountable. Um, I saw him very proud. To be a father, um, I saw him determined to find meaningful, gainful employment to provide for his daughter. Um, Marquise even sometimes worked two jobs just to make sure that he could provide for his daughter and himself. Um, and so he, he was very responsible and took on ownership when he became a father. That's beautiful. Yeah. She had a lot of energy. Yes. <laughs> she had a lot of energy. Um, so let's let's go through um, the initial notification from MPD. When was the initial notification? Um, so Marquise, the incident happened on Tuesday, June twelfth. And from my understanding, about 7, 10 p.m., 
However, I was not notified until the next day about 1.45 p.m. by MPD. However, on the day before the news broadcast that came on at 10 o'clock p.m. and 11 o'clock p.m., all of that ran with the story of Marquise being killed. So that ran prior to us being notified that Marquise was killed. So let me get this straight. <clears throat> News outlets had already ran a story about your son before you were notified. Yes. How did that make you feel? Um, I was agonized. I was, I was in disbelief. Um, it brought anxiety. It brought a lot of hurtful feelings. Um, I felt like we were treated as though we we were not even human beings. Um, So initial reaction was disbelief mm -hmm. in terms of the type of respect that you think you would get from a law enforcement agency. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'm still having a hard time trying to figure out the attitude towards you all when they wanted you to do the identification. Because I remember your son specifically said that when they came to do the identification, that they came to your house or they came to wherever you were at the time with their gloves on, you know, real aggressive, and just, you know, not really um, showing a lot of um, no empathy, compassion. No compassion. Right. Yes. And so, what would you say to that? I mean, th this is a city and a mayor who kind of, you know, talks about privately, you know, the police department and how they, you know, um, treat the residents of D.C. How did that make you feel? Um, it was not a good feeling at all. Um, first, to not even be notified until 24 hours or more later of my son being killed. And then when they came here, the manner in which they notified us, um, it was very limited information that they shared. Um, and they didn't even verify, or they didn't even give us the notification as though Marquise was, was killed. They just said, we're here in regards to an incident that occurred on yesterday. And can you identify your son? I told them yes. And then they said, um, they gave me a printout that looked like it came from just a printout from Google to say, this is the medical examiner's phone number. And you can call them and see if your son is there. <clears throat> so there was no ride to the... No. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just... No. I'm baffled with this. So they gave you a printout, a Google printout. Yes. Of where to go. Yes. Versus them giving you a ride or giving you an escort yes. to the medical examiner's office. Yes. So they gave me, on, on the printout, was the phone number and the address. They said you can call here. See if your son is here. And then they said, have the detective that's assigned to this case been in contact with you? I said, no. They said, do you have any questions? I said, no. They said, we extend our condolences. Goodbye. That's the only communication that MPD has given me and my family since Marquis has been killed. And this is since June 12, 2018? Yes. So, Dad, walk me through why you think they killed Marquise. I think they killed Marquise because, as a society, we don't put our kids up like they put their kids up. So, their kids become kidnapped, and you see all type of bull boys. Everybody petition. Um, they come up with different apps. Um, notifications. Notifications. But when they look at us, what do they see? We betrayed in the next light, 
So, oh, we just nobody. So, they pretty much just dust us off. I mean, well, we ain't nobody. Regentification. The property value, Southeast, is coming up. They want us out so they can bring another a more high working class in. So, I think they just don't see us the same. Okay, and some people will say that <clears throat> the aspect of community policing is gone. And when I say that, I mean in terms of <clears throat> the police that actually um, service a, a particular neighborhood, mm -hmm. they don't even live in that ward mm -hmm. or in that area. Mm -hmm. So there is an automatic disconnect mm -hmm. of how they communicate. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you can remember, when we was coming up, the police was always at the recreation center. Correct. We knew the officers. If we were doing something, the officer, hey, come here, let me talk to you for a minute. Correct. Pull your pants up. Correct. Or even the side-by-side -side band. When the officer used to come out of school, you taking me back. they used to come enjoy their time with us. But now, you get somebody from West Virginia with a GED, and you put them in a uniform, and you have the police community, but it's no community. That's He's not a part of the community. It's just a job for him. He don't know what we deal with. He just know what the news put out there about us mm -hmm. and how he see us in his eyes. And so the stigma is set. And so according to the stigma, then that's how they respond instead of truly being involved within the community. And some people would say um, the night of the incident that your son was in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And then it was clear to me that something was definitely wrong. And the only reason why I say that is because I was able to see that live footage on Facebook. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of, my heart reached out to you. Because one of the things that I saw was the anger at the people. And it wasn't normal. I mean, it was the type of anger where by the time they panned that live video feed on the street, I mean, it was a lot of police out there mm -hmm. and it was just as many residents as it was police and Absolutely. I mean those people were upset yes they were I mean they were saying stuff like you shot him he didn't have a gun yes why would y'all kill him like that and of course the white shirts came pulled um, a couple of the people to the side now there was a lady there mm -hmm. um, who was on the feed and you told me that you knew who she was I can't remember exactly who she was but tell me about her so that is um, ANC Regina Pixley for Ward 7 and so she came to the crime scene immediately after it happened and I thank God for her live feed that's that's been all over social media because that's one of the means that has helped us to kind of put together and understand what happened on that evening to our son when he was killed by MPD and and the lack of transparency talk about the lack of transparency with with, with the department Yes. And so in regards to the transparency, um, that's one of the primary reasons that the body camera program was invented through Mayor Bowser, which she spent five million dollars of the taxpayers dollars. And um, it was to provide transparency to the community and to provide accountability in regards to the officers and the community. And thus far, we as the Austin family, we have not seen that in this case. Um, we haven't gotten any consistent communication from MPD. We haven't been provided with the investigation, um, what exactly happened, what occurred. We don't know any of that. We only know through the means of social media. So in terms of the $5 million that she spent thus far, how would you say that $5 million has been spent? I don't see it being spent in, in our community and being a an accountability tool, especially considering we haven't been provided full access to the body cam, which would help us to understand what happened. And so because we haven't been provided that, I don't believe that the body cam program has been beneficial. And not only to just our case, but there's been several other high-profile cases in D.C. that happened in 2018. 
and out of all of those high profile cases no zero body cam footage has been released that is a problem that's huge so to me that sounds like that's a waste of money a absolutely wow. absolutely wow. and so other people would say that the body cam footage in, re in regards to when police have their first initial contact with the suspect that there's a saying that if it gets too deep they can turn the footage off or they can turn the camera off. Mm -hmm. Is that true? I don't know for sure if that's true um, but through our experience um, I would say that thus far we have been provided five minutes of the body cam and yes it did get turned off um, and when it was turned off, it was turned off in such a critical moment where we still don't even have the true answers of what happened to Marquise. Um, so we, we weren't provided full details as to exactly what happened. We weren't even provided full visible um, access to the body cam. And so, again, that's why we're asking for it to be publicly released so that we could have our own copy, so that we can analyze it, so that we can um, strategically like plan out and see what happened and do we need to go forward legally. So, so I was going to say, Dad, what, what's your thought on not being able to see everything that happened to yourself? It's a disservice to me um, because all I have to go by is the word what they saw. So I, I didn't see it for myself, so I'm taking their word as for it. And I was also wanting to say, when no paramedics on the scene, you know, once he gets shot, then nobody try to revive him. They just let him stay there. Um, that's that's not that's not right. right. You know, if someone is down, you want all the, all the things out the way. You want to bring them, get them, get them some help. Try to, because once you get hit, that don't mean you're dead. Correct. But when you stay there for hours and hours and no one come and see you or come and try to revive you, that's murder. So to me, they didn't want him to survive because they probably knew he would probably be a witness against them. So I look at it like... That's a great point. I, I look at it like that. Also, um, the news said it was three police on the scene. So if it was three police, we should have three different angles used from the body cam. Why only we only seen one version and only five minutes of that particular version. So. And then even so like where he was shot. So he was from our understanding he was shot fifteen times. Um he was shot in his head, his back. And so we're still trying to find out why was he shot in his head and in his back. Um we're trying to find out... Because being shot in his head would be against protocol, correct? From our understanding, yes. And so, and even with them allowing us to see the five minutes of body cam, the night before we were scheduled to see it, initially, the mayor has said that it will be released to... We were asking for public release. But then the mayor said that she would release it just to the family. But then the night before our meeting with Internal Affairs to see it, they said, I could come with only three people. So which meant I had to make a decision on who of my family to bring. My legal team alone was more than three people. And so dad didn't even get to see the body cam. So I had to try to explain to him what I saw. Um, and so again, that's another reason why we're asking for public release because my entire family, of course, we, we have that right to see this. Um, there's no laws that are currently in place this, that prohibits us from seeing the body cam considering our son was an adult child who's deceased. There, there's no law right now that prohibits us. And there's some other families um, of there are some other families that are going through what you're going through. And the day of the memorial, there were three mothers there. And they came out to support you. Talk about how that made you feel to see those mothers out there that had the same thing happen to their son coming out to support you. It was so 
meaningful. Um, it encouraged me. It made me feel like we were somebody unlike what the city has made us feel like. And so I'm grateful that they were able to come and to stand with us and to support and to advocate. We're so very grateful that they came out. And one of the things that I, I think I liked um, in regards to the memorial is I was not um, I was not shocked that a lot of the um, so to speak people in the community were going to be um, so to speak difficult in terms of wanting to talk. So I was kind of surprised when people kind of were opening up to you guys and kind of talking and saying what they saw and kind of saying what they heard that day. And I know it had, a, you know, it kind of made you interact a little bit more because you were kind of, oh, oh what you say, what you say you heard, oh, oh what she say? And I, I thought that was key. And so I, I still felt like, you know, in times of this, um, since, I mean, not to use you as an example, but since you're kind of going through this now, kind of tell people how it made you feel to see the community kind of want to help and then the 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 impact it has on people when you want to know what happened and people kind of speak up. Yeah, and so I'm very grateful, both me and Dad, we're grateful to the community for coming out on last Sunday, which was Marquise's birthday. It was Keese's canvas for justice. And so basically we went out to the community, the crime scene where he was killed at. That was our first time there. And many of you all who live in that community, you came out, you shared with us what you witnessed, what you saw, and we're so very grateful. And we want you to continue to tell us what you saw. Um, we gave out the phone number for the individual to contact. Uh, we're extremely grateful for helping us in this in this these efforts. Yes, that was very encouraging, and I just want to thank you all for coming out because most people, they were like, um, in previous situations, they don't really want nothing to do with it. But Ben, so you all came out and let us know what y'all saw. We really appreciate that. And so, after one year of pleading to the mayor to release this body camera footage publicly, what is your purpose for asking her to do that? We just want the people to know the truth. Mm -hmm. So, and we want to know the truth. We want, we want the, the daughter to know the truth. She has to grow up with no father. We just want the truth. Absolutely. And when you say truth, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about 15 wounds, 15 mm -hmm. bullets. And let's talk about five minutes of footage with there's no direct correlation of why they needed to do that. Mm -hmm. what, what, what does that look like from an MPD standpoint in terms of why you think this footage hasn't been released to you in so long and when you got to see it, it was just so vague? Um, so from the chief, from Chief Newsom's perspective, um, in allegations, Marquise fired shots at the police first. And so that was their purpose of returning fire. However, in the body cam footage that we, that I got a chance to see, the five minutes, um, I did not see what the chief stated. And so again, that's another reason why we're asking for the body cam footage to be publicly released. So if that is the case, um, we definitely didn't see that when we saw the five minutes. So I would like to see what the chief saw. So, if you remember, one week before that, the head man of the 7th District was dismissed. Yes. He was doing a good job. I remember that. Um, they just, just cut him off, and they put a new guy in there. And then, what did the new guy do? Then he was like, y'all go out there, y'all do what y'all have to do to stop this killing in the street. So, if you have to shoot, you have to shoot. So, really, um, it was no... It was no... Um, it was no control, you know, 
they had a problem. The best way they knew to handle the problem was to find somebody. And then they put someone in there. And what instructions did he give them? I don't know. By any means, that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and that's what they went out there and did in terms whatever of, they wanted to. In terms of truth, though, um, I, I, and like I say, I'm just, I just been, I was listening the whole time. So in terms of truth, I heard you say once that um, the body was moved, mm -hmm. right? And then on the other hand, I heard Chief Newsom, one of the reporters, asked him, you know, was a gun found? Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, it was a gun found. Mm -hmm. But then I heard you say that it was not even a clip inside the gun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how, how does that, I mean, how does that add up to truth? Yeah. And so, again, that's still why we're asking for the body cam to be released, because there were so many witnesses that said Marquise did not have a gun, which is, of course, um, contradicting what the chief of police is stating. Um, I've even heard the chief of police say that Marquise threw a gun. Um, he didn't fire a gun. So those are contradicting his own words. And then the very gun that was uh, pictured in the newspaper and on the news outlets, that gun did not have a clip in it. And so we're trying to find out how did Marquise fire shots with no clip in a gun. Um, so we're just, again, we're just trying to find out truth. What happened on June 12th? In regards to that truth, how is your legal team considering filing the Freedom of Information request for the body camera footage? How is that going? So we have filed um, the FOIA request. However, when we look at um, what has the results of FOIA requests within D.C., so for an example, out of all the FOIA requests in 2018, of all the um, the police-involved shootings, there has been zero that have been fully released. There have been zero. And so, yes, we filed the FOIA request. However, we're not for sure if, in fact, it's going to be honored and released. I mean, I have, I, have a, I have a few thoughts, but I, I want this to be about um, kind of the, the facts of what's, of what's going on right now. And so let the people know thus far the type of support that you've gotten from the community thus far. And so we've gotten tremendous support. And again, we extend our gratitude. Um, Black Lives Matter has helped us. Law for Black Lives. Um, PAN has assisted us along with um, Ascension's Therapeutic Services. So we've had many individuals, and even if I forgot to list them, um, please don't charge it to me, but we've had a numerous amount of community support, and we're very grateful for that. And the people would also just want to know um, the community support, family efforts. I mean, it was a lot of people that came out that day supported the, the, the cause, the, the memory, the, the birthday. How did that how did that make you feel with the with the community being in you know coming out and supporting you on that? It made us feel hopeful. That encouraged us a lot. We are thankful for them coming out. It really meant really meant a lot and we, we thank you all for that. And so if if you wanted to tell Mira Bowser something in regards to this body camera footage and just the overall truth. What would that look like to her? I just say, let your conscience be your guide. You know, we have to deal with this pain. We have to deal with this pain. That's unnecessary. So, it's going to come back on you one way or another. So let your conscience be your guide. Deal with it. So I won't have to deal with you, Mary. It's so hard to um, to advocate and grieve at the same time um, just because we want to know truth. Um, I totally believe that this is something that should be automatically given to us and not something that we have to fight for 
and advocate for, um, it's hard. It's hard. And so that's why, again, we're asking for this to be publicly released. We're not even asking for it to be privately released. We want the community to know just as well as ourselves and our families. We want to know what happened. And if you had an opportunity to talk to Chief Newsham in um, regards to the MPD, um, what would you say you would have liked to see done differently? I would like to have seen the full body count. I wouldn't like for I would like for the um him not to have been touched by the police once he was down. I think if he hadn't been touched, he should have been touched by the paramedics. I would I, I, the crime scene was affected in a negative way. So and it, and if that was the call of duty, if that was part of the procedures, then then tell us that as the family. But again, because we've only seen these things on social media, and because you all have not formally uh, provided us with accountability and provided us being transparent as to what happened, um, that makes us feel like there is some untruth in all of this. And. There's nothing we can do that will bring Marquis back. There's nothing we mm -hmm. can, I mean, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can say to bring him back, right? And so what would you like to see implemented in regards to this being diverted from it happening to another family? Definitely um, legislation and laws that would allow for um, the family members of a loved one that has been killed to be able to see the body camera footage. Um, currently the laws is only the individuals that are in the body cam can make the request to see them. So laws need to be implemented. So whereas if that individual becomes deceased, that their loved ones would have that opportunity and be allowed to see that. Same here. I think I think the public should be able to see see it, you know, so they can judge themselves. Because we have two sides going against each other. We have your perspective, and we have our perspective. So we can look at the same thing. You see an apple. Apple looks delicious, but I see it from another angle, and the apple. I see a worm going to the apple. So you want to eat it, but I know it's um, daily for me. So, but if we all sit together, then we can make our own decisions. So I just want cam release so the public can see it and make their own opinion. And then also, um, I, I would highly suggest that we create, begin to create forms um, and some type of public outlet so that the community can go to these events and go to such settings so that we can have this conversations there. There's been too many police-involved shootings. There's been too many police-involved stop and frisk um, as far as it relates to our community without us knowing, having answers. And so when we have settings as such, we can start to really do community policing um, from the root. And if you had an opportunity right now just to tell you know, other family members and, you know, people that this might have happened to, um, what would you tell them in terms of them not being able to keep going? What's keeping you going? Um, what's keeping us going, I totally believe, is, is the team that's supporting us, um, the community, and we knowing within our heart that because truth has not been put out, we recognize that we have to continue to fight for truth. And so spirit, of course, definitely continues to lead God and direct us. Um, but it also comes from the community and from our support team as well.
well, we um we still have children to raise. So that's what's keeping me going. Lyric. We have Marquis' daughter, Lyric. At some point one day, she's going to ask us what happened to my dad. And so we want to be able to provide her with truth as to what happened to her dad. I mean, honestly, um, I have my own thoughts about it. Um, and this is kind of the reason why I wanted to sit down with you guys so you guys can kind of tell your story. Um, I mean, in terms of me having my own thoughts, I kind of, you know, keep them to myself. But again, I'm, I'm a Ward A resident. I grew up in this city. Um, and I've seen, like you said, um, the police and the dynamic change totally. Like, there's no respect, um, like you say, when they approach um, the residents, I'm going to say residents, that they don't approach them in a way where it's approachable. It's automatically aggressive. It's overly zealous. And, you know, some of the things that I've seen with the gun task force and some of the things that Chief Newsham might say on TV but then turn around and allow, you know, the jump outs to jump out on guys and walk up on an undercover police officer, pull a BB gun, and now that's uh, an opportunity to, to frisk mm -hmm. everybody. But then the, the, the undercover police officer on camera, on live, mm -hmm. is able to walk down the street, get in the car, and leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not the type of policing that we need, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. with the statistics. Now, um, April was able to um, give me some information the day that we were there. And when I got home and was able to see the statistics that they did, now this is this is their numbers. So now they got to deal with this mm -hmm. because now it's public. Mm -hmm. And so these numbers, 70%, 70% of the people who've been stopped and frisked are African black. African-American. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In D.C. Mm -hmm. And the population in D.C. Mm -hmm. is not all black. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that would say what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I had a um, conversation with um, Jackie Carter. She... And her husband, Wayne, um, came up with a program called Not Reaching. Mm -hmm. And I did a recent interview with them. And one of her things was um, uh, uh, Philando Castile. Mm -hmm. right? And she was a uh, court reporter, mm -hmm. uh, transcriptionist, I believe mm -hmm. that's what it is. And she said that she was able to get the transcript for that, that stop. Mm -hmm. And she said one of the last things before he died that he said... Mm -hmm was I'm not reaching. And that was their reason for making mm -hmm. the, the the not reaching campaign. They actually have a pouch where you can stick your ID, your registration card, your insurance, you uh -huh. clip it to the to the air vent, you keep one hand on the wheel and just pass the the bag to the officer. It'll 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 have um, you know all your information mm -hmm. in it. and then you know I, she did an interview with DL Hughley and it was just like DL Hughley was like I like this but, and when he said the but, I already knew what it was. There's no reason why we should have to do this. Exactly. There's no reason why you had to lay down in your bed and wake up and say, you know what, this is something that I want to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just wanted to thank you guys, uh, first and foremost, for just allowing me to be a part of, you know, this, um, this beautiful situation. Because I feel like, you know, with the community coming out, Black Lives Matter, um, the Pan-African community, I mean, it was so many people that came out, and I know you were overwhelmed with joy, and I liked it. I mean, I, I was like, this is great, and I feel like people need to know that, you know, if we come together more often, mm -hmm. then solutions can be had. Yes. I mean, Maria Bowser is a person like we are. Yes. Chief Newsom, he's a person like we are. And if we came together more, you know, the voice can be heard, you know, much more. Yes. So I want to thank y'all for just allowing, you know, the people um, the time to, you know, get your version of your story, and just want to say, you know, Whatever help I can give you guys, I'm here. Always let me know what I can do, and I'm definitely here for you. Appreciate it. Thank Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm the sixth man. 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 I
talking real talk. Talk Get with the program. I'm from Sixth Street. I'm from Sixth Man. I'm talking real talk. We with the program. Cause they call me Hartin'. Then I made them to the beard. When I rain these tears on all your top tiers. Yeah, the rain for some smoke. You want a clipper or a hawk? I'm hot, Jamal Crawford. Make a blazing trail. To the rack, I'm Cliff Robertson. Say I was a king with the sack. It's the 6th Street Dog, you already know it is I'm the hot 